never felt. But I'm excited for the opportunity, and I, am, I feel privileged to be able to stand here and try to give you what the Lord has given me. The ones that were at the rest home this morning got a little bit of a preview, but what I want to give you this evening is something that the Holy Spirit has been walking me through for the past couple weeks. And just for a little bit of foundation, as we start chapter number 11, we're looking at a point in time in John the Baptist's life when he is in prison and he has heard the works of Jesus. And after he hears these works, he sends two of his disciples to ask Jesus a question. And they send, he sends them to ask Jesus, are you the one that will come or should we look for another? I would have not have liked to have been either one of them two guys. There's two ways this could have went. Either John could have been confused or doubtful, or it could have been for the disciples' sake. They could have been the ones asking the questions. I tend to lean toward, through the trials and the tribulations that John was going through, it was a point in his life to where maybe under the weight of his own expectations, he had got some doubt and some confusion, and he was wanting some clarification. So he sends these disciples, and they go and they ask, you can turn it down a little bit. I'll speak louder. I'm not used to a mic. Sorry. I didn't know how loud I was out there. But he sends these disciples, and they go and they ask Jesus, and he tells the disciples, go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. And he gives them prophecy. Do you not see this prophecy being fulfilled? But as we go a little bit further and get to verse number 7, as the disciples leave, it says, As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? It's interesting here that Jesus goes from talking to the disciples and he waits till they leave so they can't go tell John that he'd been praised by Jesus so pride couldn't set in. So Jesus waits for the disciples to leave. And then he turns to the crowd and he asks them a question. No doubt people in this crowd had started to doubt John, maybe even question the ministry that John had had prior to Jesus coming out as who he was and doing the miracles out in the open. So Jesus goes ahead and puts the question forth, what went ye out into the wilderness to see to get them thinking about the ministry of John the Baptist? And then he follows that with a reed shaken with the wind. So the question, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? You think John preached in the wilderness and people flocked like flocked in crowds to him. Though in a remote place and an inconvenient one, if teachers be removed into corners, it is better to go after them than to be without them. Now if his preaching was worth taking so much pain to hear it, surely it was worth taking some care to recollect it. So this is the point that Jesus is trying to make. He's trying to get them to, to remember what John the Baptist was all about. And the reed shaken with the wind is the idea of someone who lacks conviction and is easily swayed by public opinion. And in verse number 8, we see the question again, But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Now the fact that John wasn't arrayed in soft raiment and was in the wilderness instead of a king's court 
show his commitment to not wavering in his faith and his belief. He is in prison because he stood up for what he believed in. Because he stood up for the truth of God. And then in verse 9, we see the question again, but what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. So Jesus here reminds the people that John was not only a prophet, but the one that was created to pave the way for the coming Messiah. Now the way that Jesus or the, the Holy Spirit has worked this into my heart, I don't have much time, so I'm, I'm trying to hurry, was by the question, but what went ye out for to see? For the past couple of weeks, it's always been in the back of my mind, leading up to preaching at the rest home this morning and being able to stand here this evening but what went ye out for to see? But what went ye out for to see? And honestly, it didn't make sense until Thursday when we heard the message about handling holy things. And when I heard that message, the Holy Spirit took what I had been studying here and that message and put them together. While David was doing the right thing, he wasn't doing it in the right way. He had the right motive, the right idea, but he was not doing it God's way. The ark was never meant to be carried on a cart. Right? When God gave the instructions for this ark to be built, he had put rings on the side for the poles to go through. Right? The ark was meant to be bur the, the burden of the ark was meant to be carried by men, not by a cart. And what God helped me to see through this is number one, am I doing what I'm doing for the right reasons? Right? And through this, the Holy Spirit opened my mind and, and, and me up in a way that made me look inside and, and really question, what is my motive? Why is it that I get up every morning on Sunday and I get ready and I go to the rest home? Why is it that I go even when I'm not preaching? Why is it that I spend the time in the Bible reading and studying and preparing for times just like right now? Why is it that I spend the time away from my family studying the Word of God and praying and seeking what God has for me and for me to give out to somebody else? Why is it? And I'm not talking about the simple things like each and every person here, I love every single person at Calvary Baptist Church. I love Calvary Baptist Church. I love my preacher. I love Brandon. I love every one of these men sitting up here. But if it ever becomes about anything, any one of them, the church or anything else above Jesus, it's for the wrong reason. It's in vain. It's me doing it in my own way, just like them putting the ark on that cart. If I'm not doing it because Jesus is worthy and nothing else, I might as well just go sit down. And I'm telling you, I want to challenge you. I'm about to run out of time. I want to challenge you with this question. But what went ye out for to see? And the way the Holy Spirit really worked it in my heart, like I said, is why are you doing what you're doing? I want to challenge each and every one of you to get along with God and to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to open to you if what you're doing is what God wants you to do. And if what you're doing is what God wants you to do, are you doing it with the right motive? Each and every person that has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ will stand before Him one day and answer.
for why they did what they did. I don't want to get there when it's too late and and not be able to say I did it because you're worthy. If all he ever did was save us and never did anything else, he's still worthy. So the question that I challenge you to ask yourself is what went you out for to see? Just as Jesus did three times to the people standing in the crowd. And I challenge you to spend the time asking God to reveal to you what needs to go. And it may not be a good process. I'm telling you, some of it's been painful. I had to really look deep inside and allow the Holy Spirit just to uproot some things. But I promise you, if you will do it, and if you will mean it from your heart, God will move in your life. And at the end of it, you'll be just a little bit more like Jesus. Amen. That was wonderful, wasn't it? Amen. Just a good challenge, amen, to make sure your motives are right. And how true that is. How true that is. God not only sees our outside, but he sees the heart as well, amen? And he knows our true motives behind everything that we do. We got uh, Taylor's, Taylor's going to come up next here. They're getting him mic'd up, and I appreciate Taylor helping us out in our vacation Bible school this year. He was able to teach some in the teen class, and, and uh, he preaches over at, uh, at Rosewood. Uh, so we're excited that God's using this young man in a great and mighty way. Get your Bibles handy. Taylor, you come on, brother. Good evening. Good evening. <clears throat> Uh, if you've got a Bible today, turn, or to this evening, turn to Romans 1. This is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. <clears throat> this is a little bit different than a nursing home. <laughs> now, if somebody falls asleep in the middle of this sermon, I'm going to have a complex, because when I get done at the nursing home, I've got at least two asleep. I blame it on the medicine, though. <clears throat> Uh, Romans 1, will be in verse 21, reading through verse 28. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So we've seen that they knew God, but they turned their back on Him. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That sounds just like America these days. We're so smart that we're stupid. Verse 23, And he changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. So that's talking about idolatry when it's talking about an image. They praise the image instead of God. Uh, Verse 24, Wherefore, or you could say therefore, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. So instead of worshiping the man that created everything, they worshiped the thing that was created. And uh, I didn't finish that out. Who was blessed forever, amen. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up to vile affections, For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, 
and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Uh, We've seen in verse 21 through 23 that these people knew who God was, but instead they turned to other gods. We know this is idolatry, but the Bible gives us a definition of idolatry in verse 25. It says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So it's not just bowing down to an idol. It's um, if you serve anything that was created more than the man that created it, that's considered idolatry. Um, And since they refused to worship him, God turned them over to a reprobate mind. Merriam-Webster defines reprobate as someone who is morally corrupt, or I like this definition better. It says to refuse to accept, which also means rejected. So you could say that they, they was turned over to a rejective mind. <clears throat> so it's kind of ironic. Since they rejected God, he gave them over to a reprobate mind, and that allowed them to reject things that were natural, like the natural use of a man or a woman. <clears throat> uh, so with that groundwork laid, I'd like to jump into the subject that I'd like to quickly go through because I don't have much time. <clears throat> I, feel, I feel like the, the church these days is being turned over to a reprobate mind. There's a lot of things going on in churches today that shouldn't be going on in church. Right. <clears throat> you have religions praying to and bowing down to images of Mary and the saints. Um, you have religions preaching salvation by works, which is just another form of idolatry. You're putting more emphasis on the works of your hands than on God. Uh, If you ever read through the Bible, you'll notice multiple times there's a link drawn between idolatry and the works of man's hands. For example, in Isaiah 2, verse 8, it says, "Their, Their land also was full of idols. They worshiped the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. So, We've seen that in the Old Testament, but it's still going on in churches today. People think they've got to work to get to heaven, which is just idolatry. We have churches that are allowing homosexuals and transgenders behind the pulpit. Uh, We have churches fighting for abortion, not against abortion. We have preachers allowing men to dictate their sermons instead of God. Um, The worst part is... But this doesn't stop at the church of the, the door of the independent fundamental church. It's, it's starting to creep into the Baptist churches these days. And um, I'm afraid if somebody don't stand up, it may come to this church. We're going to have some people that need to stand up. Right. <clears throat> We're kicking out the hymnal music. There's churches now that's kept kicking out hymnal music that has power and conviction, and they're replacing it with contemporary music that sounds like a rock song. Uh, We're bringing in steel guitars and drum sets and turning the house of God into a current concert hall. Uh, We're even dimming the lights and bringing in these these colorful strobe lights and uh, bringing in fog machines, and it makes it all seem like it's a concert hall. I even went to a church recently. I'm not going to name the church, but there was a, a drum set and... 
they have these plexiglass looking things in front of the, the drum set. It was like a sound barrier. And the guy got in behind it and he started drumming away and he was bobbing his head. And it just seemed like a rock concert, in my opinion. And that's in the house of God. It's not, it's, we're turning into reprobates, in my opinion. <clears throat> um, we're allowing women preachers to stand behind the pulpit. Um, we're allowing women in the church that's wearing Daisy Duke shorts and they're wearing um, uh, wearing their short, low-cut shirts, got their breast hanging out. I wish there was a better way of saying it, but that's, that's how it is. They're wearing their yoga pants, the skin tight, and I mean, you can see everything. You can see the outline of their underwear. <laughs> and all this is not natural. We've been turned over to a reprobate mind. We've got men that's standing behind a pulpit wearing shorts, uh, wearing flip-flops, wearing a, a graphic T-shirt. And then uh, you've even got some, I've seen some with dreadlocks getting up behind the pulpit or mohawks or they've got earrings in their eyes or earrings in their ears. And that looks nothing like a born-again child of God. That looks just like the world. <clears throat> We've stopped worshiping and serving God and started serving the flesh. We've brought in the world instead of, we've conformed to the world instead of being transformed. All this reminds me of Matthew 7, verse 21 through 22. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Just because we sing contemporary music and it talks about God, just because we go to a church and, and hear preaching about God doesn't mean that God's pleased with what's going on inside the doors of a church. Second uh, Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So we're supposed to be separate from the world. We're not supposed to conform to this world. And uh, <clears throat> that means our dress should be different. Our music should sound, shouldn't sound like rap, rock, rap, or country. Uh, the church house shouldn't have any similarities to a concert hall. But if we don't stand up against it, it's going to be in our church. Uh, we don't need to be taking our youth to any conferences that may be doing this kind of junk because that's allowing it in through the back door is basically all that we're doing. <clears throat> and uh, I'm done, but I just wanted to, to send out a rally cry. Uh, sometimes people are afraid to stand up against this stuff and they're afraid that they're going to cause an issue in the church. And um, as Christians, we're normally pushovers. The Bible kind of tells you to turn the other cheek, but this is not somewhere we need to turn the other cheek. <clears throat> but um, if there's somebody here that's felt this way and they were maybe afraid to say it, I just want everybody to know you're not alone and there's plenty of other people in this church, I believe, that feel the same way. And I felt that way before. I felt like I was the only one that hadn't bowed the knee to bail. But I believe there's, there's more in the church. Um, but we have to fight, and we have to fight for the old-time religion. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, brother. 
I'm telling you right now, he said more than a lot of preachers would ever dare to say. You think, I mean, even around here, what he said. Now, if we hold truth now, we got to hold true and stand firm on what we believe and what the Bible teaches and make sure that we keep the world out. Amen. And now I'm not saying that we don't invite people to church. By all means, invite the church, invite the people into the church, but we don't bring their traditions and their, their way of doing things. Amen. It kind of corresponds right with what Timmy was saying about, you know, transporting the ark on a new cart. We don't need a new cart. We got the old ways. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to hear this next preacher, Raphael McNeely. I'm excited to hear him uh, and uh, just a, a longtime friend. We knew Stephanie for many, many years down at, the, at, at our lower building, uh, growing up in the bus ministry. And uh, I appreciate Brother Raphael and his stand for the Lord. I'm excited to see what God laid upon his heart. Amen. Can y'all hear me out there? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's, good. it's great to be in God's house tonight. Uh, thank y'all for y'all's prayers for my son. Uh, today is his birthday, but, you know, he's still recovering from uh, strep throat and scarlet fever. So thank y'all for praying for him and our family. So we really appreciate all of the great uh, just blessings of being here at this church. It's, I'm just trying to tell y'all, it's, it's just like night and day. But I just got to say, that picture was like five years ago. And... <laughs> I don't look like that no more, so. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I don't even got no beard in that thing. Look, I ain't got no mustache, but I was, I was 25, that's crazy. Praise the Lord. All right, if you take your Bibles, take your Bibles. <laughs> take your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12 and verse 34. When you uh, get there, please say amen. You know, I'm kind of old school, so I, I kind of write my notes out on, you know, college rule paper. So, uh, you know, bear with me while you hit my... Riding around now, playing. I got I got about ten uh, points tonight. I'm playing. All right. I don't want to get kicked off the pulpit already. I just started. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. But I, I thank for this uh, wonderful opportunity to be able to be up here to preach God's word. I don't take it lightly. I am gonna do. I'm, I am gonna be out of here before them ten minute, ten minutes is up. So praise the Lord. So uh, Luke chapter twelve verse thirty four, and it says, "For where your treasure is." There will your heart be also. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank for this day. Thank for this wonderful time. Lord, I actually just, uh, just greatly use me to, uh, tonight, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. God, uh, help me to give uh, exactly what you want uh, your people to hear tonight. And I ask you that you just uh, touch the heart of, me, uh, of, everyone, of everyone here. We ask these things to pray. Amen. So tonight's message, a uh, little short uh, message is, uh, where is your heart? Uh, where is your heart? God has wired us uh, to, where th to where our thoughts and our heart works together. They go hand in hand. You receive information through your mind, and it gets passed to your heart. So whenever you read the Bible, it gets passed through your mind, and God starts to pour himself and his word into your heart. That's why it says, hide thy word in my, in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So the more that we understand that everything that we receive through these eyes, through these ears, and, we, we th and the thoughts that we receive, it goes and transfers to our hearts. So the more that we receive the things of the world, the more the world pours into our heart. The more times we give into our flesh, the more the, our flesh pours into our heart. So never give place to the devil. Never give place to the world. And never give place to the flesh. Why? Because God wants to pour into our heart. And if he pours into our heart, then there's no room for all the other mess. Right. That's good. 
the more that we understand as Christians that if we set a standard that is close to God, a lot of times we, that's what we need to aim. We need to aim to be like Jesus and not like the world. A lot of times as Christians, we, we, we live this Christian life. We get to a certain age of, of Christianity. We feel like, you know, well, I've been a Christian good, good and long enough. And then we put ourselves in traps. And we set ourselves up for trouble. And you say, oh, no, no, I can, I can handle that. Now you put, now you're putting confidence in your flesh. Right. And last time I checked, by God's word, that's one of our enemies, is our own flesh. Right. When we get saved, our, our flesh is an enemy of ours. So we got to put our flesh in subjection so that God can rule in our lives. But the more that we understand that the more that we allow this thing called the flesh to rule, the more you're not going to listen to what God wants you to do. The more you're not going to set treasures up in heaven. He said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Ask yourself this tonight. Where is my treasure? What kind of treasures do I have? What do I spend more time doing and thinking about? Is it my favorite soap opera? For, I ain't trying to, you know, I'm just saying, you know, don't take no offense. If you take offense, take it up with Jesus and not me. Praise the Lord. All right. Is it getting those hours on the job? A lot of times we spend so much time giving ourselves to the job and we forget about our families. And then we wonder when our kids get 18 and they go off to college, then they don't come at the church. So for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What are you allowing to pour into your heart? What are you watching? I tell myself, I got to be careful even watching superhero movies. There's some, some stuff in superhero movies. But we allow our kids to watch that stuff like it's, and then wonder why our kids are trapped in the thing of pornography. Wonder why husbands can't be faithful to their wives. Wonder why kids are disrespectful to their parents. Oh, this this message for everybody. So don't 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 get it twisted. All right. If our heart is exactly where God wants our heart to be, it'll be in the same beat, same rhythm as His. Real quick. All right. Real quick. Hebrews chapter 4, don't turn there because we ain't got time, all right? I just want you to take the notes and go back and, you know what I'm saying? All right, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God pierces your heart so quick, so fast. But my question tonight is, when was the last time you felt that pierce? When was the last time you came to church and you felt God tugging at your heart? When was the last time you were spending time in devotion and you felt God just, <clears throat> when was the last time? Because we allow the world and the flesh to fill us so much that we get so dead to the things of God. And then we figure out and then we wonder why is worship so 
half, half given, half expressed. You cannot be a Christian. I'm sorry. I'm just, this is just a little rant. You cannot be a Christian and saying about how good God is and have a mean look on your face. You, I, don't, I don't care how much. God is so good. You're going to be crying or you're going to be happy. Not one or the other. You're going to be crying or happy. You ain't going to be me. God is so good. I, ain't, uh-uh. I don't know what God you're singing about, but that facial expression don't show what God has done. But what I'm saying is God, God is, is able to pierce you so strong and so fast that he tells you exactly what's keeping you from being exactly where you need to be. And every time we come to this altar, whether it be through song or through preaching, we come to this altar and God is touching our hearts about something. And we say, oh God, oh God, I'm, I promise you, I'm not going to do it again. And some of us, by the time we get to the car, we're doing it already. By the time we get home, we already on our phones on social media. Yep. I'm sorry, I love social media. I, I do. But everybody just don't listen. I can't stand social media junkies. Surfing social media all day, and then you upset about something because you're jealous about this and that. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right, but number one, these are some things that you need to understand whether God is trying to, hasn't dealt with you in a while because you haven't been listening to him, or you need to accept Christ. Two things you need to think about tonight. Number one, either you're saved and you need a heart, a heart checkup, checkup or, or, or a heart examination. That's Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Or you need to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. I'm going to give you an Old Testament verse, Ezekiel eleven nineteen. Tonight we need people to check their heart. God doesn't want a dirty vessel. You wouldn't drink out of a dirty glass, so why give God a dirty one? You won't cook no eggs in no dirty pan, so why would you give God a dirty one? You know, sometimes we come, we, we so much are so heavy in thinking that we just so sold out for God, and God just like, you stink. Mm, your heart stink. Remember, he look upon the heart. All this soup stuff and dressing up, oh, that's lovely. You can fool everybody up in here. God looks at the heart. My question to you tonight, does your heart stink? Does your heart stink? Has it been a while since God has dealt with you? Since you felt God dealing with you, has it been a while? Or have you not felt it in a long time? It's time to get it right. Why don't we do this tonight? Why don't we do this? Let's go ahead and all stand. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's give a, a moment or so of invitation to really, really reflect. I mean, we've really heard three great 
points and three great faults tonight and three great challenges. I believe each one had a challenge for each one of us and, and maybe one or all apply to one of us, some of us, most of us. We can each one of us glean something from this. Let's do this for just a moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The pianist is going to play for just a moment or so. You begin to reflect and think about each one of these and analyze within yourself. Number one, are your motives right? As you serve the Lord, are your motives in the right place? Timmy preached on that. Where's your motives at? Taylor brought forth some strong principles and some strong doctrine within the church that we need to make sure that we keep out and hold fast unto the truths in which we know is what God wants us to do. And lastly, where's your treasure at? Because where the treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. I believe they all kind of intertwine together, and it's amazing how God does that. They didn't talk to each other. They were all nervous as all get out. But they were all yielded to the same holy God who's given them the words tonight to challenge us as a church, challenge us as an individual. And I would do an injustice not to give an invitation to allow you to respond, whether in your seat or at an altar, to respond to what you have heard tonight preached. And that's essentially what invitation is. An invitation is our time to respond and reflect within our own selves, analyze and allow God to speak to us during this quiet time and make a move for him. Maybe it's been a while since God pricked your heart and spoke to you. As Raphael said, maybe, maybe, maybe we just need to do a heart checkup tonight and make sure everything's in order, everything's all right. It'd do, I, we go to the doctor, even though we're feeling well, just to do our annual physical. Maybe, just maybe, we need to do a, a checkup tonight just to make sure, God, is everything all right? Am I in your perfect will? Am I exactly where you want me to be? Do I have the right motives pushing me forward to that? Am I right in the center of the will that you have for me in my life? It would do us all good to do a checkup every now and then. Just another moment of invitation or so, you reflect on what was preached tonight. I know for a fact that I was challenged personally. Just another moment or so. We'll sing here in just a minute. The time is not late at all. But we heard some great preaching tonight. I believe God give, God's given us some good messages to chew on. Not just one, but all three to think about, to take home with us, and maybe even analyze tonight when we get in our quiet time with God and just make sure that we're in His will. Why don't we sing this tonight? Why don't we sing Amazing Grace tonight? Why don't we sing this? To be one, we'll sing it through a couple of times tonight. Amazing Grace. Oh, yes, yeah, sing it out with everything. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found.
was blind, but now I see. Just another moment or so, heads bowed and eyes closed for just one more, one more stanza or so. There's still time to do business. You may be watching by way of live stream tonight and, and you just tuned in. And yes, this was a different order of service than usual, but it was specifically ordained for tonight. And I believe it was for us and those that are watching by way of live stream tonight. Now listen, if you're in need tonight and you just need someone to pray with you or maybe even salvation, you're in need of salvation, you don't know the Lord as your personal savior. If you'll call that number on the bottom of your screen right there, we'll have people in the back ready to answer the phone, be able to talk with you, be able to pray with you, be able to take the gospel and show you how you can be saved. We'll hope you'll do that right now. Those of us that are here tonight, there may be one who is doubting their salvation or unsure of their eternity. Oh, we would hate for you to depart from this building without knowing 100% that you're on your way to heaven. And if you're unsure of your eternity tonight, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. I just ask that, that, that you make a move. And if you'll make that move, if you'll begin to make your way out, I promise you one of our, one of our personal workers will meet you down there and they'll be able to pray with you. They will take the Bible and show you how you can know that you can have a home in heaven forever. There's nothing more that pleases God than one sinner that comes to him in repentance. 